Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. We're in episode 222. Glad you could join us. Unfortunately, Jay could not make it today, but let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. I am Soraya Zell, and um, that's, that's, that's it. Have you played any games this week, Zell? No. Do you play games at all anymore? No. Okay. I'm so glad that you are a premier host on our gaming podcast. Yeah. Okay. Bait, you're up. Hey, everybody. What's up? My name is Bait, and yeah, I'm Bait. I play games. With a new microphone. Your voice is much more clear than before, I think. Yes. I know. He almost sounds like a different person. Woohoo. All right. Livy, you're up. I am Livy. Um, I think that's as far as we're going this week. Apparently. <laughs> right. it, it really it reminds me of, uh, if you see Mrs. Doubtfire, when he's doing the interviews, and he's like, I am sure. And that's all he says like five times. I'm probably the only one who remembers that. Okay, anyway. It's, like, it's like I am Groot. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, and I am Pokey Draven. I help host the show here and I do some YouTube stuff with Livy uh, for Project Nova, which we're having fun with and recording another video tonight, hopefully. So we'll be working on that after the show. But let's get started with some news. Um, and then also kind of get the, the bad news out of the way. Um, Bate, did you kind of want to discuss briefly what happened in Jacksonville earlier today? Yeah, I, I um yeah, I can do that. So, um if if you're not aware by now, which I'm sure um everybody who's listening is, um here here in town, here in Jacksonville, Florida, there was a uh, a Madden two thousand nineteen tournament going on down at uh at the Jacksonville Landing, which is, is basically an outdoor mall for all intents and purposes. And um uh, about one thirty, um somebody um who they have named, but I am not going to say his name. Um, opened fire um, on the the small crowd of people who were there, um, and uh, a Twitch live stream uh, it was being streamed. Uh, caught the gunshots. Um, JSO came out and said that there were three confirmed uh, dead, including the shooter, and then I think about fourteen are um, are in uh, are at the hospital there over at uh, UF Health and um, and like Memorial Hospital I think and they're all doing okay which is good to hear um, so yeah yeah 14 14 uh, injured and then three dead so um, you know just condolences with uh, all the families involved um, yeah yeah that's absolutely terrible and, and from what I'm hearing he was actually a participant in this tournament and, and lost and then came back and, and did all of this it has not been confirmed by the police gotcha. so I'm I'm, uh, I'm not going to say that that's the case but that's what some of the people who were there uh, and were able to make it out uh, were saying now he is he's a competitor or he, he was playing Madden competitively for a couple of years um and, and he was obviously at this event so it, it can be assumed that he was there and and lost um and and this is how he chose to react um obviously which is is very unfortunate yeah that's really messed up man and and um, just tragic that that people have to lose their lives over this sort of thing mm-hmm. and it's it's something we normally don't get into, but it is kind of a, a gaming related thing. And I know that you're, you live near Jacksonville, so it's, it's really rough, man. Um, I hope you're doing all right. And I hope that, you know, you didn't have anyone that was you know injured in that event. No, no. Everybody I knew that was in that area made it out. Um, so very, very thankful for that. All right. Well, yeah, that's, it's terrible. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's something that we, 
probably won't touch on again, but you know, it's, it's, it's awful. So I'm, I'm sorry to hear that that unfortunately had to happen today. Okay. So let's move on to some, uh, a little more lighthearted stuff. Uh, Zell, you had a Overwatch trailer, new cinematic that came out. I saw you put up on there. I, I gave it a look, looked pretty good, but, uh, what'd you think of it? Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was good. Diva's been kind of one of the more popular characters in Overwatch, but they really, she really didn't have a hugely detailed out backstory as far as, um, what they'd shared so far. Um, you know, a lot of Overwatch's lore specifically revolves around, you know, the, the Overwatch team and, and their Talon, which is kind of the enemy forces. Um, and then they just kind of like Diva was added in shortly before release and didn't really seem to be a part of that team or anything like that so um there wasn't a lot about her backstory other than that she used to be a competitive starcraft player in the world of overwatch before apparently becoming uh awesome at mech weaponry um so uh yeah this was this was kind of their their new cinematic it was cool they actually they also have like a um a kind of behind the scenes clip where with commentary from the director and editor um about you know what what some of the decisions they made making this uh piece so it's a competitive starcraft player that's the official backstory (laughs) well that she always has but that's been a big part of her backstory or well a stated part which i think was kind of just metaing out the fact that a, uh, a blizzard game is a real game in the in the Overwatch okay. universe, um, but uh, in in this, she is defending uh, the city of Busan from uh, Omnic attackers um, with the help of one of her friends. And uh, this was kind of they they coincided this with the actual the uh, release of the Bus- or the announcement of the Busan map as well, which uh, there's also a video for. Yeah, the cinematic was pretty cool. Uh, are the enemies, the flying squid things she's fighting, have them, those appeared in the game or in other cinematics before? They have. They have not. Um, they're definitely like because the the model of of mech that like Bastion and some of the other mech characters are have are you know various models of Omnix, and they had not shown one that any flying Omnix like that. Um, honestly, the most interesting thing to me was. Do you remember the 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 villains like the bad robots in like the lego movie yeah i I need to look those up again but i'm pretty sure this was those like (laughs) i think when they were storyboarding those out with like this squid like tail and stuff i want to say that somebody literally just cut and paste do the lego movie thing because i want (laughs) to say i remember the lego movie having like these squid like bad guys that kind of moved like that it actually reminded me a bit of the uh, Squiddies from the Matrix uh, trilogy. As yeah, well. I was thinking about that as well, as you were as you were saying it. Like that was the other place I've seen them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's uh, it was it was pretty good. I mean, the, the the Overwatch team has always done a really good job at taking like a like a seven minute. I think it was like seven minutes long. Yeah, it's a really, fairly long cinematic. So yeah, and really building like a, a substantial story behind the character um, and having you kind of become invested in that character. I think. Not so much for this one. I think the one that really got me was the um, the Reinhardt cinematic. I was like, shit, I don't even play this game. And like, kind of feeling it. You know, it was, that was really well done. I think they do a good job at it. It's good to see them kind of continue to build these out. I think that was my favorite one. I mean, I watched this one and I'm not going to say I didn't understand what they were trying to, to get out with the message, but it was good. 
However, I do love the idea of a uh, promotional can of soda or some beverage that when you open it, it has to play like a little jingle for you because it's all... Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, I can see that. I can actually see that actually happening where they've got like, a little chip that sings you a song when you open your... It's like, you know, the, your, like, your the, like the greeting cards. Yeah, you yeah, see exactly. the musical greeting cards? Yeah, that's totally doable. Oh, no, I don't want my box of crackers to talk to me when I open. I'm like, shh. I'm trying to eat you quietly. <laughs> You can, like, record a personalized message for a can of soda. <laughs> Dude, Coca-Cola that was mine. would be over that. Oh, yeah. If, if, they, if they could justify the price somehow and get it cheap enough where they could just charge a little bit extra for it, uh, they would do it. I mean, they had, like, the whole thing. They're still doing right with, like, the, the names printed on the sides of the cans. They, they're still oh, yeah. That's a, that's a, every company has now done, like, some version of that. So, like, Coca-Cola's got the names, but then I think Dr. Pepper's, like the like moods or songs or something yeah dr pepper went kind of after the snickers approach of uh moods but um you know coca-cola could definitely take off with it being like the christmas jingle and only put out like christmas jingle cans Uh, yeah yeah well that's true i mean we're giving them ideas I mean, uh, Santa's coat is red because of the Coca-Cola company, so, yeah, you know, they pretty much <laughs> bought and made what Christmas is in terms of marketing now. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past them. This episode of Buy Mess sponsored by Coca-Cola? Right. <laughs> right. Oh, no, shit. I no. wish. I wish. <laughs> I'm pretty much fueling their we'd entire, some, you know, We'd have some with... much nicer effects and stuff going on <laughs> yes. if, we had it, if we were sponsored by Coca-Cola. It only took us like 200 episodes to get bumper music, so, you know, <laughs> four years later, yeah, we finally have basic things that podcasts have. Oh, man. Oh, that's good stuff. All right, so let's move along here to Battletech. So Battletech is the game that was produced by Hairbrain Schemes. Uh, Jay is probably the one out of all of us that has played it the most, um, but uh, Zell, you said that there's a new expansion that they've released for that or going to release? Uh, yeah, they haven't. Uh, they have not announced yet the date or the price, um, but uh, they do have an announcement trailer. There's, I guess, they're um, introducing flashpoints, which are uh, sh- kind of a short story event thing. Um, they have a new a environment. They have new mechs, obviously, because y- y- you really can't do a mech game and then expand it without you know adding mechs. And then. Um, uh, a new encounter, which I'm not exactly sure which that what that is, to be honest. And a new biome too. I don't know if you said that. Yeah, I, mean, I did. That's, yeah, that's like okay. the, that's like one of the environments you can choose from. Gotcha. No, I mean it's like I said, the release trailers are kind of cool. They've got um, a very interesting art style that they use for their trailers. It's kind of a cool. I almost want to say like an oil painting, like 2D animated sort of thing. It, it looks really badass. Um, and of course, those guys over Hairbrain Schemes do good work. Because I don't personally own the game, but Jay has played it, I think, through its entirety and really, really enjoyed it. Um, we've actually had two separate people from Hairbrain Schemes come on the show and talk about it. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's it's good stuff. And if you want to get into it, if you like the kind of turn-based tactical combat, it's only like thirty-two bucks, I think, right now. Like it's yeah, it's like- not expensive. So yeah, it looks like what uh, Zell said is correct, that there is no price on this expansion or release date, but you know, if they're doing launch trailers, my guess it'll be probably pretty soon, and given the price of the original game, I can't imagine that the expansion costs that much, so it should probably be a pretty good deal, and uh, you know, show the support for the indie developers out there, they're good group of uh, guys, and you know, it's, it's always good to see it be successful. Okay, so let's move along to making fun of Zell and Star Citizen. Uh, so they had a free weekend this week. Did you hear about that, Zell? Uh, no. I think Overwatch had a free weekend, too. I don't remember. It did. 
priorities. We see the priorities there. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, this last weekend or this, I'm not sure if it's still going. I think it's probably ending tonight. So by the time this gets uploaded, it'll probably be over. But Star Citizen had a free weekend if you wanted to get on and play. I think, Livy, you actually kind of looked through the process of getting into the game for free. What was it like? I tried to. It was kind of, um, and it could be that I didn't really know how to navigate the damn site, but, you know, clicking here, clicking there, you had to scroll, read, scroll, click to enter in a code that wasn't really expressed that you had to enter the code. I was like, I gave up. You know, being a UI person myself, I was like, delete. <laughs> done. Yeah. And I actually talked to a couple people um, that had tried it out, and they had expressed a lot of frustration with the fact that the game was currently very glitchy in that it was almost impossible to get things to load in a timely manner. Like you try loading into the uh, star Marine socket for like 10 minutes, multiple times and couldn't actually get it to load. Uh, finally gave up, deleted the game. And apparently that was actually kind of a pain in the ass. So, you know, I'm not sure if it's whatever build they had released for this, but from what I can tell, at least the uh, reception for this free weekend was actually not very good, which is probably not what RSI needs right now. They kind of need, interest to go up not be people being frustrated by you know trying a free weekend and not having it go well yeah the game is free until Monday. and let me just say man just reading this pc gamer article about what you get access to obviously you get access to star marine and arena commander and then like star citizen proper a game has too many fucking game modes dude you got the the dog fighting uh arena commander and then the shooter star marine. it's no wonder it's taking them 45 years to get this game out it's got well, and, too many damn modules. And Zell can correct me if, if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like they, they're trying to kind of develop it like in kind of like multiple isolated game modes and then with the attempt to later lace them together. Is that what they're trying to go for? Um, To some degree. I mean, I, I, like the, the Persistent Universe has all of the mechanics in it, but there's a lot of things that you really can't play with well in the, in the Persistent Universe. So like, for example, the... Uh, uh, Star Marine gives them like a straight up first person shooter mode that people can play, which allows them to kind of tune the, the shooter mechanics. Um, and Arena Commander is like like in a Persistent Universe where anyone can, you know, kind of warp off or you don't know when there's a whole fight set up. Arena Commander is a setup, you know, I think it's 5v5 PvP environment, you know, so there's there's mechanics that they can highlight and play with and if there are people who enjoy specific parts of that they can just play that um but as far as why they've you know as they they feature creeped a heck of a lot uh into the the pile of of stuff that they have to do and um it's uh you know it moves slowly in any given direction um obviously a lot slower than they intended um (laughs) But I mean, there the, the fact that you see so many modes, there is a lot of game that's there. People make fun of the fact that it's, you know, quote unquote, not released. But it's like, it's more like how, do you remember how Gmail was listed as a beta product for like five years? Oh yeah, I was doing it. It's kind of that. Like, it's, the game is there and you can play it and it's got lots of problems and it's not done, but it's there. Now, do you think this this free weekend initiative is, is hurting them or helping them if the game is, like, like you say, I'm sure that you've experienced a lot of the problems it has with the understanding that it's still in development, but do you think that 
exposing people to all of those issues after they've already heard a lot of the outside criticism, do you think that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing for RSI in terms of growing up interest? I probably wouldn't have gone for pushing the free weekend thing right now. I think it's a a little strange. Do you think they're sweating because of uh, this Crytek uh, lawsuit? I, I mean, the thing is, is like, how does a free weekend help them? Are they going to get more sales because, like, people come in and try it? I don't think it's the greatest experience to sell people on new sales right now. Right. I think that's probably their hope is that they'll get some more believers to come and help, you know, push the game along and and keep it alive until they decide whether or not it's going to be a game. I don't know. Well, and you were saying that they were kind of bombarding you with like the, hey, buy our ships the whole time as you're trying to get to the actual free download app, right? Oh, yeah. Their marketing is legit. Um, but it's frustrating if you're just going for the free weekend. It's like, I want to try it first before I try to buy something. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, no, it's 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 curious, you know. Uh, and, of course, we give a lot of shit for the game, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's it's a very ambitious project. I think that some people have gotten way more invested than they probably should have. But, of course, if, you know, like I've always said, if they can pull off this game and even deliver on half of the features that they have described then it'll be a really solid game so i I do hope that they are successful but a lot of recent things have kind of pushed in my opinion to think that they aren't doing as well as they would like people to think they are uh, which is a little concerning i think for people who have been invested heavily in the game okay so moving along here zell there's a you're you're busy this week uh htc vive they finally have their wireless adapter uh announced yeah so um they had talked about it a while back, but now they're opening up pre-orders on September 5th. Um, so this is obscenely expensive, first of all, is, you know, you, you get your Vive and you're like, if you want a Vive uh, originally, it's like 600 bucks. And then there's, or well, no, it was originally 800. Now it's like 600, I think. But then um, the Vive Pro, of course, if you want, is if, if you have nothing and you're going like, fr- just get into it, Vive Pro, it's like $1,200. It's it's crazy. That does not include this. This is a three hundred dollar add on to uh, make your wireless uh, your VR headset wireless. Um, so it, it you know it's a pretty crazy setup though. So um, you spent you spend three hundred bucks. Actually, the Vive Pro you actually need an additional sixty bucks on top of that three hundred bucks for the adapters to connect this to a Vive Pro because it's kind of pre designed to work with the regular Vive. Um, but what it does, I think it's it's using some sort of, I think it's like Ygig, some sort of wireless protocol that's not, it's not like a Wi-Fi protocol. It's it's kind of custom to this this sort of purpose. Um, so you have a PCIe card you put in the back of your computer um, that has a sensor attached to it. I assume if you were hoping to use a laptop with this, you're just out of luck since, it, since it's a PCIe card. Um, and then you get the module that actually plugs into the top of the Vive. Uh, and, and so it kind of mounts on top of the head strap, I think, and then you plug, replace all the cables. Um, and then I believe you use essentially a cell phone recharge, like external battery to charge a cell phone. I believe it basically takes, uses those, um, to, to power it. And I, it, it does come with that. That is included in your $300. Oh, it, it but, actually can charge it with the base price. That's good to know. Yeah. Yeah, well, because, you know, the thing, if it's going to be wireless, one of the big things you have to deal with is you need power. It's It doesn't have its own built-in battery, so it, it comes with one of these cell phone batteries, which is what it, it uses. So, um, 
Yeah, it's it's kind of cool. Like I, I I want one. Like I feel like I would use my Vive more if if it wasn't for the awful cable nightmare. But it's three hundred dollars. Like this is that is a, steep. That is a a very steep add on. You know, but it is like for for VR headsets of this type. You know, going wireless is a is a, a really hard because you have to be able to push that frame rate, at, like that many pixels at that frame rate wirelessly you know um so you kind of understand where it's coming from and this is this is kind of the sort of cost you have to be if you want to be on the bleeding edge of of vr technology but that's that's painfully expensive i i certainly don't have money to spend on it right now well especially if like you said you have to buy an adapter to make it work with the more expensive version which i think is just absolutely crazy that you actually have to it's an additional piece that they couldn't have built it in a way that that works. But regardless, I, I imagine that, you know, in probably five years, we'll look back and laugh at all the crazy shit we're doing to, to make this work with adapters and external you know add ons. It'll it'll all just kind of be all in one package in, in maybe like half a decade or so. But, you know, it, it's it's funny. It's kind of cool to see, you know, like you said, the bleeding edge of what this technology can do. Uh, certainly outside my price range, but you know it's impressive. Like you said, the, the, to be able to push that many pixels at that rate—that's a lot of data, and you need to maintain a constant frame rate. You know, and, and you can't have any stuttering or anything like that. That's that is very impressive from a technology standpoint. It's just you're going to pay for it as well. And you said the uh, pre-order is starting on September 5th, so that's actually coming up pretty quick here. Yeah. Jeez, that is crazy. And then of course you need the PC to actually run all of that. Um, have you? And so I know you mentioned last week you bought a new graphics card. Is it one of those new Vidi- the the new Nvidia RTX cards? No, uh, no. So uh, I, actually, one of the reasons I'm glad I bought the card is because there's no way I'm jumping in on an RTX. Um, so the RTX cards are supposed to be like to give you an idea how big of a jump they expect these to be. Is they were you know they had GTX you know 500, 600, 700, 800, 900. And the thousand series, and then they said, you know what, we're going to start calling these instead of the GTX up to a thousand. Now it's RTX two thousand. Um, they announced uh, so the, the big thing with the RTX series cards is that um, they have specific features designed to do ray tracing, which is really hard to do um, dynamically in gaming like cur- like currently. Um, it's the sort of thing you do if you're rendering images and, and movies that you know to you leave rendering for a while um and they're they're hoping to try be, to be able to use those sorts of features live in gaming um and it is supposed to be a significant jump up for for kind of traditional gaming uh graphics as well um but they've really hiked the prices to give you an idea um i usually uh, i had a 970 um before i have a 1080 now but that's kind of 70 tier was uh usually about uh, usually about four hundred dollars, and it was usually the the tier I had a six seventy before my nine seventy, etc. Um, and those were like four hundred dollar cards. The RTX twenty seventy is going to be six hundred, and then like the ten eighty, I think it retailed originally around six hundred and fifty. Uh, the new RTX twenty eighty is starting at eight hundred. And the RTX 2080 Ti is starting at, I believe, 1200. So they've really, you know, they have this new, brand new architecture of cards. They're supposed to be really, really good, but they've also started way up there on price. 
Um, they ha- they'll they'll probably make like a RTX 2060, 2050, etc. In in you know, and they'll probably announce those in a few months, um, which will be a little bit lower on on the price range. Um, but for now, um, it's it's definitely very high tier for those who who have a lot of money to burn. Um, in my case, I scored a 1080 uh, for close to the price that most people would get a 1070. Um, and I think a big part of the reason I was able to to pull that off is that uh, is one that they were the the announcement already been kind of made that they were going to be announcing the next series of graphics cards in the next few weeks. And then the other thing was that you know obviously graphics cards have been really hiked up due to their use in cryptocurrency mining. Um, well, between I guess Bitcoin no longer makes sense to use GPUs heavily for. And then uh, Ethereum's just tanked in value, which is really what people were mining heavily on graphics cards. And so kind of the crypto market has fallen out under graphics cards. The prices have dropped back to normal levels. Um, and what I think happened was I think they were probably overproducing 1080s because they're very common for the, for the crypto market. And so I think what they had was the crypto market fell out. They had a huge stock of 1080s. And I think people, you know, these companies are trying to, get them sold off before before the new generation got announced yeah i didn't realize it was like a brand new because i'm i'm by no means a I, I play on a pc i've built my own pc but if you ask me what actually is in mine i, I couldn't tell you because someone else helped me kind of put it together so these rtx ones are an entirely new kind of technology for nvidia um the, yeah def, i mean they have much of the same conventional cuda cores that that uh nvidia cards are known for but they have specific modules as well designed to do ray tracing. So, Jeez. I mean, they look fantastic, but I mean, with that price tag on something that is, you know, potentially kind of hasn't gone through the, the rigors of actually being like heavily used by, by users. That's a lot of risk. I think is jumping on something that's brand new like that for well, $12,000 I mean, or sorry, $1,200. $1, uh, yeah. But I mean, now mind you, it's an NVIDIA card and Buying a new generation of NVIDIA card, there, there's no doubt that you will get your value from it in game performance and time. But the reality is, I think right now that like I don't play any games that I can push. I could really even push my 970 to the max on. So you know the 1080, I don't know what I'm going to do to really top it out. Like if I'm doing VR stuff in in really high performance, you know. That's going to probably start to tax the 1080, but most games, like really, really what they're trying to hit now with the, the uh, RTX 2000 line is you're going to need those if you're wanting to do really high quality ultra settings in like 4K gaming. And that's really where they're starting to push in. And I game on 1080p screens, my 4K TV set to 1080p. Um, so you know, for me, it doesn't it doesn't have a huge benefit, but that's kind of where they're looking in terms of what you'd need to take it take really a full advantage of a card like that. Yeah, I mean that's usually the case with these new new things that come out is that you you really have to kind of have a specific set of needs for it to really make sense or really jump into it. But you know, if they're selling you a car for twelve hundred bucks, you know, even if they can sell a few, that's still you know money in the bank, right? So I, I get it. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't jump on this either, particularly for that price tag, but, uh, I'm glad to hear that the prices have come down on, uh, GPUs though, because I'm, I'm in the next year or so probably looking to build a new PC because mine's 
aging and um, I'm kind of keeping an eye on the market and see, you know, how things look. So it's, it's good to keep it. You know, it's good to see the prices coming down and not being so crazy for a while because they were up like an absurd amount for a while there with the whole cryptocurrency thing going on. So it's good to see that uh, finally normalize a bit. Okay, so moving along here, uh, briefly kind of want to talk about Monster Hunter World. Um, <laughs> Livy and I have not had much luck in uh, defeating the Behemoth, but uh, the Behemoth Extreme event is now live, which is absolutely ridiculous. Like the requirements on how what you have to survive to get through this encounter is off the chart. Like it's like a four phase fight um, in phase three. There's like a straight DPS check where normally you can kind of whittle monsters down. As long as you can survive their, their attacks, you're good. This one is if you don't beat him and push him to phase four in a certain period of time, he just wipes the whole party and you fail the mission. It's a very uh, final fantasy style, you know, hard DPS checks are kind of a big part of, of MMOs and that sort of thing. So it's kind of fun to see that put into uh, Monster Hunter. Some of the old fans of the series, like this is the first time I've played Monster Hunter's Monster Hunter World, and I'm used to games like Final Fantasy. So for me, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool to see. Some people do not like this encounter because of that mechanic um, and, and kind of dedicated role thing. It's, it's definitely foreign to Monster Hunter, um, but, you know, I'm personally cool with it. Some people really like it, uh, but it's kind of interesting to see the conversation revolving around that. Uh, but one thing I did want to talk about is that uh, while Behemoth is very hard and you need like at least three to four people to, if you're a normal human being, to actually beat him. I know some people can do a solo. I tried, didn't go so well. But most people you'll need a group of three to four. Um, and that can be kind of hard to do. But Livy and I found that actually uh, if you go into the fight, if you're playing this, you can actually farm parts off of him without killing him. It takes a long time, but you can do it. And so what we were doing is we are going in with specific setups to break limbs, break horns, and uh, set the palico in with the uh, plunder blade. And you can actually kind of slowly whittle him down and get certain parts and then just leave the mission. And you can get to keep those parts and you can go back in. So you can do all this during phase one pretty much and kind of slowly get what you have to do um, to get the parts. And we were actually able to craft and fully upgrade the entire armor set and the weapon for this encounter. I think the only thing that we can't get is the Kinsect for the Glaive. Um, I think you actually have to finish the fight to get that, but you can get like 95% of everything this uh, this encounter has to offer kind of by kind of farming and cheesing the, uh, the fight. So if you're having trouble, um, getting that armor can actually help quite a bit because it is really kind of overpowered for the game. It definitely changes the meta and how things are, are set up and it's extremely good armor. Uh, if you can't get through Behemoth normally, try farming a little bit, get a few pieces, that might help you out a little bit, and uh, hopefully you can finish the fight. And then you can, you know, stick your head between your knees and, and pray to try to fight uh, Behemoth Extreme. That event is running until the end of this week's cycle, so Thursday. Um, but I don't think it's ever going to happen for our group because we we really only have three people and it's it's absolutely brutal the the fight this this extreme version is so it's cool to see that they're bringing more and more challenging fights to the game um this might remain the hardest fight for a while but uh it is good to see them challenging players and, and giving them something that's not just new content they can breeze through it's actually kind of a escalating everything you know with each new monster so it's good to see so like i said the extreme version is running until thursday at the end of this week uh behemoth by itself is of course available all the time. That is not a time-limited event. So you'll always have access to that. 
and then I'm sure during the uh, the next festival, the extreme version will come back. So whenever they do the um, the winter festival or the fall festival, actually, you'll be able to fight Beam with Extreme again. So it should be good. Keep an eye out for it. But uh, yeah, it's a good fight, and the armor looks awesome. So it's good stuff. Another thing I wanted to bring up: uh, Battlefield Five is having its open beta starting on September sixth. So that's actually like next week. Um, I forget, guys. Did I mention their pre-order sales being really low last week? No, I heard about it, though. At least I don't think you mentioned it, but I had yeah, heard that. Yeah, so apparently they are getting absolutely creamed in terms of pre-orders because they've got uh, Black Ops uh, 4 coming out like a week before and then like Red Dead Redemption coming out like a week after when it's going to launch. So it's like Titanfall 2 all over again. And their pre-order sales are down 85% compared to Black Ops 4 reports are showing. That's, I mean, that sucks for, for that that series that's a good series but i mean it kind of i don't want to say that it serves them right but it kind of does um and but i mean you know maybe they'll learn from from pre-orders that you know that's not really what people want yeah the whole like katana stuff from like the trailer i'm like what is this exactly this is clearly not you know a historical adaptation um which i correct me if i'm wrong it's kind of what the series has been known for for the most part right they like to have that like hyper realism Fuck yeah it's just yeah. weird i mean it was say say for stuff obviously like uh was it battlefield 2142 right. i think the mechs and whatnot but i mean everything else is yeah that's that's their thing is is hyper realism and and even uh uh, historical accuracy, and I, I think that when you, I mean, I, I don't think there's been anything in the uh, relating to the campaign um, about how the story's going to go, other than it's quote unquote set in World War II. Um, but I mean, if the customization from multiplayer is to tell us anything, then I mean, it's it's obviously not like hard World War II, if you will. Um, unless that customization stuff is just there to 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 be cosmetic, solely cosmetic, um, and and isn't really necessarily going to be something that you'll see uh, in the campaign. Which I mean, if that's the case, cool. Yeah, I think that's kind of been people's read on it. Is that there's the obviously the multiplayer is a big part of it, and then there's the war stories, which is the single player campaign, and and there really hasn't been anything too heavily released on the war stories in terms of kind of what sort of experience you're going to get, but people kind of suspect that will be a more historically accurate down to earth um, experience with, with you know good immersion. But I, I mean, just looking at what they've got, like from that trailer, you know, you've got like a Katana and some like, uh, like cricket bat and these like prosthetic arms. It's like, that's obviously well outside uh, what you would normally see in you know a World War II setting, and I, I and I think you're right. It probably is purely cosmetic. You know, it's like hey, you know, you can buy this thing. It's got the same stats as another melee weapon, but it's a katana because you know you want to be cool. Do you think yeah. that's going to pull a lot of people out of immersion and being kind of turn them off? Maybe, um, but I mean, like Battlefield One has uh, ha- has kind of a similar thing where. Uh, for your melee weapon, you know, it, it's not necessarily a knife. It can be a knife, but it, it could be something like a shovel or um, uh, like a grappling hook they had for one of the, for I think the most recent expansion. So, 
And but I mean, even then, those melee weapons, I, I feel. I mean, like a shovel. I can totally see you having a shovel in in World War One. Or I mean, I I guess a grappling hook. I mean, I'm not a, a, a fucking World War One expert, but uh, I imagine that would come in handy, um, trying to get onto ships or whatever. Um, but something like a katana. I mean, yeah, there were katanas in World War Two. Sure, probably. Probably not held by British soldiers, though, which is what was being shown. No. <laughs> I mean, no, that was the kind of problem. I was like, uh, hmm, I'm not an expert, but I'm fairly certain that wasn't standard issue or anything no one, <laughs> someone would actually have. No, that's that's, that's interesting. No, I, yeah, I, I think that that is uh, what's kind of coming to, to bite them in the ass. And, and of course, there's been a lot of uh, buzz about the fact that there was a female soldier being shown on the front line. Um, in that trailer, which, yeah. you know, is, again, probably not very historically accurate. Women obviously did play a huge role in World War II and World War One, for that matter. But I, I, I personally don't know of many instances where they were actually on the front line fighting in the capacity that you would see in that thing. I don't really have that huge of an issue with it. I mean, even the cosmetic stuff, I'm just kind of like, eh, it's kind of it's kind of weird, but I'm not... I'm not big into, like, it has to be perfectly, you know, perfect immersion um, if that's the kind of game they're making. But when there was a lot of buzz about this, EA's response was kind of like, get over it or don't buy the game. Um, yeah. And I think there was some line about how, and I, I imagine he was speaking in response to the people obviously having a gripe specifically with the woman being in there. And I think he would call them, like, uneducated idiots or something like that and basically told them not to buy the game mm -hmm. um for one like i said i have no issue with the the woman being in there it's it's kind of like whatever in my mind and you can certainly have the opinion of like hey you know this is the kind of game we're making if you don't like it you know i'm sorry but that's what we wanted to do but you don't want to call your customers idiots <laughs> it's just not a good thing um the, the response i think was was not a good one they were trying to, to make a point and get that um, I don't necessarily disagree, but from a PR standpoint, that's just not a good move. And I think they're really feeling the effects of that. Yeah, and and obviously it doesn't help that they're that they're uh, like sandwiched in between. Oh yeah. What are obviously bound to be two of the biggest gaming releases this year: Black Ops Four on the front, and then a, a Rockstar game, Red Dead Two, right there the week after. Which I mean, any Rockstar game is is for sure going to trump whatever comes after it um or i even before it too obviously it seems yeah i mean that's that's going to be hell for them and, and like i said it's just like titanfall 2 which was critically a fantastic game it's, it's a really good game it got excellent reviews its sales were just dismal though because it got stuck between battlefield 1 and uh call of duty world war 2 i think it was it, it, Oh, oh yeah, they, they basically sabotage their own game and release it next to another oh. huge title of basically the same genre. I mean, clearly different yeah. setting and gameplay, but you know, people see a shooter as a shooter. Um, yeah, in in Battlefield or sorry, Titanfall Two just got hammered in sales because I mean, no one's going to buy like three games in the same month. They're not going to do it. Oh, um, Titanfall Two. I, I know Respawn makes it. But EA didn't have a hand in publishing that or anything. That was all respawn, uh, you know, right? I'm not sure. I'd have to look. But gotcha. yeah, it was just... Or, or or maybe I'm thinking that respawn is a bunch of EA guys that made their own thing. Maybe maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But for sure, EA was somehow linked to that game. But yeah, I mean, it's... On the one hand, it's unfortunate 
like I said, I think earlier that you know that that is the case being stuck between uh, COD and uh, and Red Dead. But I mean, that's that's when they chose to release it. I think I, I, they knew that. I assume they knew at least because I I, I feel like the Red Dead release date has been out there for a while, um, and and Call of Duty obviously the release date has been out for for a few months so i mean they kind of knew what they were putting themselves in between i have a feeling um i i wouldn't be surprised to see if the game gets uh delayed for uh for some kind of internal reasons uh after the beta and they're they're going to push it as as like a bug fix or something um just to kind of get it out of that um uh that 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 space that they're in yeah, that's tough because I mean you've kind of committed at this point to a, a pr- pretty pretty soon release date. I mean it's it's coming up really quick yeah. here. I mean you don't yep. want to delay something that quick. I think they might just have to, you know, bite the bullet and hope for the best. But yeah, it's not looking good for them, not at all. Mm-mm. So Ben, I got I got one important question for you though. If um, what's up? If Project Nova has Nova katanas, is it basically Battlefield Five in space? <laughs> yes, it is. If Project Stop Nova that. has Nova Katanas and prosthetic... Well, no, it's going to have prosthetic arms anyways, <laughs> because, I mean, suits. No, here, here's what it is. Yeah. If Project Nova has Katanas, has Nova Katanas and human arms, literal human arms, <laughs> basically Battlefield in space. DCP Rattati, make it happen. Stop it. Here's an idea. Please just make it be Battlefield 5 in space with Nova Katanas. <laughs> oh my god. Sorry, I had to. It was just it was too easy. Um all right, so moving along here. So Amazon. Um I don't know I know Zell has a hatred for Amazon, but Bate, have you ever pre-ordered a game on Amazon Prime to kind of get that 20% discount? I actually have not. No. Okay. So I know, I, have. I know Zell has, but he hates it and just tries to cost Amazon as much money as possible. Um, That's true. So, anyways, to fill people in, if you're not a Amazon Prime user, the current policy is that if you pre-order a, a physical copy of a video game through Amazon, you will get 20% off the game. So it'll go from, you know, usually 60 to like 48 bucks. Um, so you save like $12 in the game, which is pretty nice because it kind of makes the whole um, cost after tax and that sort of thing kind of end up being a little less than 60 bucks, which is really nice. And so I purchased a lot of games through Amazon. I would actually purchase physical copies for games that I would normally get a digital copy for but i got it through amazon because of the discount and this was a benefit of being a amazon prime member so after you know a long time they've, they've had this for quite a while they are now changing the policy um, and it's definitely not for the better so after august 28th so that's in two days so if you you know want the old policy you better order quick but after august 28th they are changing it to instead of a 20 percent off discount it is a $10 store credit, no matter the actual cost of the item. So it's not even a discount, it's a store credit. And it is select titles only. It's not like everything, it's like just whatever they decide is going to have this, this perk on it. And it will always be sold by Amazon, but never fulfilled by or a third party. Even if it has Prime, you know, Amazon Prime shipping, it specifically has to be sold by Amazon and it has to be one of these select titles. On top of that, you won't actually get the credit when you when you order. So like before it was pretty much like it took the 20% off at the checkout. Now it's you're paying full price. And then you may have to wait up to 35 days after the product is delivered for you to get your $10 credit. 
And then on top of that, once you get the credit, you will have only 60 days to actually spend it or it just expires and goes away. So basically, if you're not buying like a game every two months, you're potentially losing these credits. Um, and I believe they also said that the credit can only be used on certain things. So it's extremely limited. Um, it's definitely a big downgrade. It kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth because it's like I have to dance around all these limitations rather than just say, hey, it's a discount. Um, and this actually isn't even the first time that they've kind of reduced the benefit of having the Amazon Prime for you know the video games. I mean, before it used to be you could get 20% off on pretty much anything game-related. So, like, even collector's editions you could get a discount on. Um, you know, ported um, games you could get a discount on. They took that away a few months ago. So, like, you couldn't get the, the collector's edition for the discount. And if it was like a, like, a, let's say they're moving, like, an existing game to a new platform, it wouldn't apply to that. They, 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 they put the, the, the end on that. So, they've already kind of been making this deal less and less, you know, beneficial over time. Um, and it kind of sucks. Like, I'm not going to get rid of my Prime uh, account because I use it for a lot of other stuff. But, you know, will I be buying as many games through Amazon? Probably not. Um, just because, you know, there's there's more convenient ways like, you know, with uh, PSN. If I just buy straight from PSN, I'm not getting a $10 store credit. But they usually run deals, too. I can get it digital, which is more preferable in most cases. Um, and this just seems kind of like a pain in the ass. I, I don't think it's going to with them any favors, but it could be the fact that they were just, you know, taking a bath on these, these pre-orders because of the 20% discount. So. Yeah. I mean, bear in mind, my whole point of how I was opportunistically taking, taking advantage of prime to ensure that I made that they made no money on me for getting prime for the month. Um, basically what I do is, you know, it like a, a monthly prime subscription is like 13 bucks. You get like 13 or 14 bucks off a $60 game at the old discount. So, any month that you were going to buy a game, you could get a month of Prime for free, effectively. And then any benefits that you gained really didn't cost you anything at that point. Um, so, I, you know, with this single-handedly being, you know, the cost of Prime in, is how much of a benefit you got from it. I'm not surprised they realized, wait a minute, this is not, this is not a profitable business decision. So basically, if you liked this service, it's entirely Zell's fault that... That he has made it so costly for them to have this that you can blame it on him. Um, oh, and one thing I forgot to mention is that they've also <laughs> reduced it so you only get this credit once per account. So before, um, just to make things easy, like uh, me, Livy, and my brother Dante would play the same game often. So I would just order three copies on my Prime account. Just that you know, it made it easier just to order it all at once um i have an amazon store credit card so i get five percent back just on everything i buy through amazon which is nice so it was just kind of it worked well that's not going to cut it anymore you'll only get that 10 that 10 dollar credit on the first one and if you buy additional games after that you won't get the credit so you'll have to you know if you're doing something like that you'll have to spread it out as well which is a minor inconvenience but you know it was it was nice for me but with the, with the store card but you know it's kind of like ugh, another thing to kind of make this thing a little less appealing Okay, so moving along here, we did have a topic for last week that we actually kind of held off on since we were going pretty long on time. Uh, so just kind of going over games that you guys are interested in that are kind of coming up um, in the next you know six months or so. I know that Gamescom was uh, just last week, and they actually released a lot of release dates for different games. So they've been uh, it's been it's been exciting, and I've decided that basically everything ever is coming out in Q1 2019, which sucks. Like. There's like four titles I want that come out within like six days of each other. It's it's ridiculous. So it's going to be very busy. 
when the new year comes, but uh, you know, it'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. So just kind of going down the list, if you guys had any games you're, you're looking to looking for in particular. Um, so I'll go first. So Destiny Forsaken, the Forsaken expansion. Um, I've been playing a lot more of that recently. You can blame my purchase of the expansion entirely on Jay for convincing me to pick it up and give it a shot again. So if it sucks, um, I will, of course, openly and publicly blame him for it. But that's coming out September 4th, so that's coming out real soon. And actually, the sandbox update for that is coming on the 28th, so two days from now. So look, you'll see some of the kind of the new stuff that is coming in the Forsaken expansion being applied to you know the base game for Destiny 2. So that's exciting. Looking forward to that. Uh, Soul Calibur 6 is coming out October 19th. Uh, I, I've been playing Soul Calibur since, I think, Soul Calibur 3. I played 3, um, and I played 4 a lot in college uh, with me, and then I skipped 5 because they took out one of my favorite characters. He's back in Soul Calibur 6, so I'm looking forward to this. And Livy, I think you were saying this is like potentially the last one they're making, is that correct? Is that correct? This is the make it or break it game. If it doesn't do well, they're saying that it's probably going to be the last Soul Calibur, so it's kind of that. If you like it, support it. Or it's do those games typically one. do quote-unquote well? So Calibur did really good. I think it was five that really tanked because it really stepped out of what people expected from the So Calibur franchise. But after that, well, their whole I mean, thing with five was they wanted to kind it. of retire some of the original characters and bring in like a new cast of you know younger generation, new new fresh blood, so to speak. And I don't think it did well. Um, like I said, they took out some characters that I I personally really liked. Uh, like I said, I started with Soul Calibur three and actually kind of the the pinnacle character in that game was a character named Zoslamel. Um, I really liked him. He was in four. I had a lot of fun with it. And they took him out of five. I was like, yeah, that's kind of why I got into this series was that character um, in place. And they, instead they put in these different characters and I just, it just didn't appeal to me. So they've kind of reversed a little bit of that. They've kind of brought a bunch of those back in six. So, you know, I like Soul Calibur. Um, if people aren't familiar with it, it's uh, like a 2D fighting game. So kind of like, Tekken or Street Fighter, but it's kind of more based around swords and weapons and that sort of thing. Um, they, they can be pretty fun. Uh, I think 3 was probably my favorite one out of all of them. It, it had this really cool... Um, I mean, they've all had it since 3. Kind of, you could build your own character, but aside from the main campaign, where you'd play with like you know the pre-existing characters, 3 had this mode where it like went through the separate storyline where you kind of make different choices and shape how the story went. And it was specifically your custom character that went through it. It was really cool. I really liked that. And that really hooked me for the series. And they, they kind of got away from that in four and then in five, I didn't give a shot. I, I'm hoping that they bring some of that stuff back for six. So that one looks exciting. October 19th. Um, I'll probably, probably pick that one up. We'll see. I might wait for the reviews and see if it's worthwhile, but uh, I definitely have my eye on it. Uh, Fault 76 is another one that's coming out November 14th. I'm so 50-50 on this one. I've talked about it quite a bit before. Um, a lot of it's going to come down to the beta in October. And if the beta doesn't really grab me, I'm probably not going to pick this one up. But if it is good, then I probably will. So we'll see. Um, it's kind of going to be make it or break it on that one. So that should be interesting. And I'll, of course, let you guys know what I think of it when, it comes, when that beta comes out in October. Then we have Super Smash Bros. Ultimate uh, coming out December 7th. Um, my brother and I share a Switch. He plays it probably 95% of the time, but I've always been a Smash Brothers fan. Uh, and I've played, I think, every Smash Brothers that has been on a Nintendo console that I have owned. I didn't play it on Wii U because I 
no one bought a Wii U, but I did play it on, you know, 64 GameCube Wii, and uh, I, eh, well, yeah. I bought a it's, Wii U. You know, was it worth it? Were you happy with your purchase? Eh, yeah, <laughs> that's kind of why I got passed on that one. Um, but, uh, you know, Smash Bros. Ultimate is kind of fantastic looking. It's got literally every single character and stage that has ever existed in a Smash Brothers game up until this point. Um, and people are actually kind of speculating this might be the last one in the fact that it might be kind of a gaming as a service sort of deal where they just kind of build off of this game forever rather than releasing separate titles, you know, for each system, um, which I wouldn't really be opposed to. I kind of like the whole, you know, everything is in it and we're just going to kind of keep expanding it forever. Um, so we'll kind of see, but that's coming out December 7th. looks really good. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, the game I've been waiting for for like 10 years or something. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, basically. Uh, it's His yeah, entire adult life. It's convoluted as that series is. It has like three main titles and like 16 side titles that are all important. You have to play all of them to understand the story. And even then you'll have no clue what's going on. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to that. Finally kind of closing out this chapter. It's kind of meant to be kind of the bookend of this section of what they have planned for the Kingdom Hearts story. January 29th next year. Um, so kind of starting off the year already busy. Then, of course, there's Anthem. I'm like 25, eh, 75% could be pretty good. We'll see. It's an EA title. Um, I imagine. You're yeah, missing Jay well, for the wild. I'm, I'm so time. skeptical and burned on anything EA related that I'm like, okay, like they say they've had this like change of heart and they've like restructured their whole policy on how they make games. I'm like, cool. This thing is like already like 80% done though when you said that. So who knows? Um, so, it, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm keeping a close eye on to see what I think of it. Um, I may not buy this one at launch. I might wait a month, see what people think of it, let them kind of get their teeth sunk into it and see if it's good. Um, that's coming out February 22nd. Excuse me. Uh, then Devil May Cry 5 actually got its release date on uh, at the Gamescom convention. So that's coming out March 8th. Really excited for that one. I love Devil May Cry. Um, I'll have a shout-out related to it in a second here, but uh, that looks really good. And then, of course, uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. This is, of course, from From Software. They're the company that makes the Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne series. Um, with Bloodborne being one of my, my top five games, favorite games of all time. Very hyped for this one. Just seeing kind of the changes they've made. I gotta say, give props where it's due. From Software has realized that they don't want to make the same game over and over and over again. Just, like, you know, adding stuff to it. And they are not afraid to make drastic changes to how things operate. Sekiro has some huge differences from like Bloodborne and Dark Souls, but it all looks fantastic. Like I can see they're experimenting. They aren't afraid to experiment. And I think that's what really makes great games when they just kind of boldly go forward and try different things. And the community surrounding, you know, all of that has been fantastic. So this looks really, really good. It's a good change of pace from what we've seen from their games in the past, but it still kind of has the core concepts behind it, but executed in different ways. Looks fantastic. So that's coming out March 22nd. Absolutely buying that one right away. I, I have full confidence that whatever they make will be extremely worth the money. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And those are kind of my big ones. Um, like my list, like 12 there. Bait, I see you listed a few here. What are what are you looking forward to coming up? Yeah, not not too terribly a whole lot that's crossed my radar. Um, I, I, I'm... I'm so iffy on on the new Call of Duty this year that I, I didn't really put it on. Um, although I'm not like horribly upset by everything that I've seen uh, gameplay wise, so I, mean, I I guess I'm excited for that game. 
Um, did put Battlefield 5 on there just because I know I won't be buying it. Um, but what I did put on there is I did put Red Dead. Obviously, I think everybody and their mother is excited for Red Dead Redemption 2. And that's, uh, that's the 26th of October, so we have exactly two fucking months until that game comes out. And then um, the next one I, I put on was uh, Insurgency Sandstorm. So if you're not familiar with uh, with Insurgency, it's it's this uh, it's on PC right now. It's on Steam. It's uh, this um, realistic, if you will, uh, shooter. Um, it, it's got no HUD. Um, you kind of have to have to judge about you know how many bullets you have in your in your magazine. Um, and like you die in two hits, it's great. It, it, it's a lot of fun, but there is, um, uh, a st- I, I don't really know what to call it. I, another game, if you will, it's not really a sequel, but it, it's, um, it, it's building on that same idea. Um, and it's, it, it looks a lot better than, uh, than the current insurgency does. Um, so that comes out on uh, on PC in uh, September, so just uh, next month, and then it's coming on Xbox for sure uh, in 2019. But that that's what Are you I gonna got. play it on PC or Xbox? You think? I'm probably gonna nice. play it on Xbox. All right, sounds good. Zell, did you have any uh, that you're looking forward to? That's true. I don't He's play games anymore, the, man. Just here for the. I don't have food, time. Right? I don't have time for this stuff. All right, Livy. I know you had you had at least one. Um, I have one. I have one. I mean, you, you, you were excited for all of them, so you helped out there. Um, but uh, the Call the call of Cthulhu, I'm going to try and play it. I'm excited for it. I'm probably going to scare myself in and out of a closet. But, um, yeah, that one's intriguing because I don't quite understand what it's about. And I think that's probably what they're going for is leaving it mystery, kind of like the amnesia Yeah, apparently game. that one's actually based off of um, a tabletop but yeah, I'm excited game for that one. the same, same title, which... I did not know until today, um, but I am a huge that's, that's Lovecraft correct. fan. My yeah. love for Bloodborne should be evident of that. Uh, but yeah, this album looks awesome because it's like, like they were saying kind of that, that dev thing you were talking about, that it was, um, you're an investigator and it's like the more you find out about the truth, it actually can be a negative because it makes you go crazy. Um, as Yep, and that's very Lovecraft. You even see it in Bloodborne where the more insight you have, uh, the more things are visible to get you. I yeah, that, say. One, that one looks really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be a, a good dungeon crawl. We can get Libby to play and, and record her freaking out and me trying to act cool, but also freaking out, of course. Um, it looks it looks really solid. It's it's an indie game. Um, it definitely has an indie feel to it, but it still looks uh, really good um, for, for what it is. So that's, what, October 30th, you said? So that's coming up real quick, just in time for Halloween. So we'll be... We'll yeah, be in the new house there, yeah. and uh, scare shitless. It'll be good. Okay, the last thing I had uh, is kind of the freebies for the month of September. If you are a PS Plus or an Xbox Gold member, they have unfortunately not released the PlayStation Plus titles yet. They are they are really slow on it. They won't actually release it until the month of. Um, you find lots of articles speculating, and I don't really care about that, so I actually want to see what they're going to do. Nate, uh, have they said what the Xbox ones are yet? No, um, uh, Microsoft normally does their uh, their reveal for what you're going to get next month, usually like the week before the month starts, um, or if the month starts like in the middle of the week, they'll do it the week before that. Um, unfortunately, the month starts like on a Saturday, so I, I think right now the, the speculation is that tomorrow, we're going to either tomorrow or Tuesday seems to be uh, likely when they'll, they'll release... Um, 
uh, the list of, of what's going to be free. But I think for um, for right now, if you haven't already, you should go ahead and download what's free. It's uh, it's Forza Horizon like two, I think. So that's the open the open world driving game. It's uh, what else? Epic Mickey two, I think, is still up, and then For Honor might still be up as well. I think so. Just just go just go to your um to your gold section of your Xbox uh um menu and and just just grab whatever's there. Um. So All yeah, right, do sounds that. Sounds good. So yeah, we'll follow up next week once we probably have some more uh, concrete details on that. But uh, should be good. Okay. Anything uh, else yep. before we go into shoutouts, guys? Pokey, do you have, do a, have a, a PS Vita? I'm like, would you like to no? Because what it? would I play on it? I only play PSP games on it. Because <laughs> nothing know. exists for the Vita. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> that is true. Games that is true. Vita, um, the Persona games are pretty solid, yeah. but like honestly, I play like okay. So I've been playing, replaying a game that I one of my favorite mobile games. It's um, called Joan of Arc, and it's a turn-based strategy game. I realized the game came out in 2008, I think, on the the, the PSP, like that old. Um, and here I am playing it on the Vita because nothing exists in the Vita that I want to play because it was a mistake. Um, but yeah, that's funny. So people are overclocking their Vita. Yeah, so I guess uh, somebody uh, spotted a, a plug-in called, uh, I think it's Lollicon, L-O-L-I-Con. No. <laughs> so it overclocked. <laughs> no. I'm telling you no. that's what it's called. But, uh, so officially the CPU uh, on on the Vita operates uh, at 444 uh, megahertz. The, the plug-in pushes it to 494 megahertz. Um, but obviously if, if you do download this and, and you do decide because you're a madman that you want to overclock your Vita, um, uh, you could, you know, face, uh, heat generation, system freezes and shortening the life of your, your console's motherboard. Um, but you know, like Pokey said, there's not really anything out for the Vita. So at the end of the day, who gives a fuck? Overheat your Vita or overclock your Vita and be a cool guy. I mean, if my brother can overclock a uh, Raspberry Pi, I guess I can do it to a Vita. It's amazing. Okay, let's go into some shoutouts then. So uh, my shoutout is, I got two of them actually. So uh, earlier this week, I have been using the PlayStation Gold wireless headphones for probably like four years now. I've never had an issue with them. Libby's gone through like three pairs in one year because they just... They, they just break really easily. Um, they kind of have this, like, uh, this, like, the headphones will kind of fold in, so they kind of, like, it folds in, so it's a little more compact. Um, and, and a lot of people I've talked to have had issues with it breaking there. I kept mine intact perfectly fine for, like I said, like, four or five years. Um, but the other day, I'm wearing it, playing Destiny 2, and literally they just disintegrated on my head, like... Like, one of the earpieces broke, and then, like, the side panel popped off, and then on the other ear, um, like, the actual, like, pad just fell off. So the whole thing just fell apart on me, like, randomly. Um, so I was like, well, shit. <laughs> you know, I, I've done pretty well. Um, and so I was kind of in the market looking for, uh, you know, what is a good wireless headset that's kind of within my price range. I wanted to spend, like, 100 bucks or less, nothing too crazy. Um, that would work well with my PlayStation because that's really what I use it on. I use a, a microphone and a more traditional headset for uh, my PC gaming. And I didn't 
really want to buy another one of these because, I mean, I, I felt like I had gotten lucky with the pair that I had and that if I bought a new pair, they would just break like the rest of them. Well, come to find out, there's actually a new version of the PlayStation Gold headphones. Uh, they're a lot more streamlined. They've got a thinner headband. Um, they fit just as well as the original one, and they don't have the stupid folding hinge thing. Like, they're way more durable. They feel like they're much higher quality. Um, and I've been using those. I purchased those, and I think I got it on a discount for like 88 bucks. So after tax, it was it was like less than 100 bucks, which is nice. Um, they're really solid headphones. They're they're not going to be super high quality, like some like you know 400 pair, obviously. But if you do want a nice set of wireless headphones that is fairly durable, I do like the new PlayStation Gold headphones. Those are pretty solid. My other shout out goes to reviewers who've been playing the the new Devil May Cry 5. So. In Devil May Cry 5, or in the Devil May Cry series in general, there's kind of a scoring system, and the game is all about comboing, and basically as you combo enemies and you do, you know, cool things and switch weapons and these big aerial acrobatic things, you have a score that starts at, like, rank D and goes up, you know, BCA, and then it goes up to, like, triple S, I guess. And it's always kind of a staple of the game is, like, how high can you get your combo score and how long can you hold it there? Well, in Devil May Cry 5, they have a system where there's no music that plays when you are, like, at rank D. But then as you get to higher tiers of combo, the music gets louder and it gets better and it sounds cooler. So, like, the, the more badass you're being in the game, the, the more badass the music sounds, which is really cool. Like, for sound design, it kind of reminds me of, like, what Doom 2016 did. Really solid. I really like the idea behind it. Well, reviewers have been complaining that there's no music in the game, but it's because they suck so bad that they can't actually ever get their combo rating above, like, the bottom. So, like, there's no music in the game. Like, the game, the music wasn't working, and the, and the developers were like, no, you just suck too bad to hear the music. So, um, shout out to those guys. I think it's hilarious. It kind of reminds me of the guy who tried to play the uh, tutorial of Cuphead. You should look that up. It's actually the most frustrating thing you'll ever watch. Like, like Cuphead is, like, a platformer, <laughs> and it was, like, jump into a dash in manner to get over this, like, high, high platform. The guy spent, like, honestly, like, 12 minutes on it. Could not get past it. It was so cringeful, <laughs> painful. It was awful. Um, but it reminds me of that. So shout out to our viewers of video games who actually don't know how to play them very well. All right, Zell, you're up. Uh, my shout out is a, is a, uh, what does Bait call them? Call what? Um, um, when, when he complains about uh, people. I don't know. Asshole? Like how people so, I complain so, about. So, so, so I was on a, on a train yesterday. And uh, there were these, like, four girls on the train that, like, were blasting music at, like, full volume. At, and, it, Bear, let me be clear. We were on the train from 12.40 to 1.40 in the morning. So, like, there were, like, at least three or four different people trying to sleep on this train car. And then they just, like, start blasting music, like, throughout the entire time. Let me stop as you if, right there. As if How old were they? Yes. Um... Just ballparks. I'm ball not good at Come on, man. Um, y- young adult. Young um, adult. Like um, me, young adult, or probably, like probably you, okay. young adult. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, yeah. And then uh, you know, 40 minutes into this, um, a uh, a man in uniform doing truly heroic work told them to turn it down. And as a result, they turned Kids. it down. But it, it a... was just. Ugh. So why didn't you say anything? Because obviously this bothered you. I'm not, I don't, social situations, interaction with people, like, no. You gotta be like the, the New Yorker on the train. Hey, we're trying to sleep here. 
That's a good stuff. All right, Bate, you're up, man. Yeah, so I, I just want to throw out another shout. I know we talked about it at the beginning, but uh, just a uh, shout to um, the, the the greater you know Jacksonville community, the gaming community, and everybody who's been really supportive um, of of us today. Um, so yeah, that that's been really cool. Um, I think EA actually said something. I know we kind of gave EA a little bit of shit earlier, but um, fucking uh, what's his name, Saberwing? I, I I guess actually works for EA now. Um, and, and he, he put out a tweet or whatever. Um, and I just wanted to, to, you know, shoot my regards out to EA and, and, you know, being so supportive, uh, alongside everybody else who is, you know, who is stepping up and, uh, and being there for, for the, the gaming community here. It's, it's nice. And it definitely goes, uh, noticed by, by at least me. Um, you know, I, I know I'm, I know I'm, you know, one dude or whatever, but, um, we, we do know this. So thank y'all. All right. Sounds good. And Libby, last All one right. of the show. <laughs> All right. So my shout out actually goes to a combination of Fortnite and change.org. Um, I guess some time ago people went to change.org to get signatures to thank the bus driver, uh, started out as a meme, but, uh, they actually, listened Fortnite did and put in uh, a feature where after the mission you can thank the bus driver um as part of the the ending credit or you know when they're all flying away so just a funny thing you know a lot of change.org things aren't taken seriously but uh this one actually I get people got what they wanted so shout out to Fortnite for listening and to clarify what the bus driver is, um, when you, so like how like PUBG, you fly in like on a military plane and you jump out of the plane and parachute down into the battlefield. Um, Fortnite being Fortnite, it's actually the battle bus, which is basically a school bus painted blue tied to a giant rocket powered blimp. Um, and someone of course has to drive the battle bus. And that is the, that is the bus driver you are thanking for delivering you to the battlefield um, in Fortnite. So you know, it, it's good to be polite and, and say thank you to people who you know, drive you around. So I'm glad that the Fortnite uh, players felt this was very important and actually got to, got that change to happen. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that bus driver makes magic. I think there's like four boots on that bus. They, they fit like 100 people in that bus. It's very cramped. How long until you're able to tip the bus driver and contribute oh. to gas money? Oh. oh my god. In cryptocurrency. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, it's like tip the bus driver with your V-Bucks. Where does it go? Well, it goes back to Epic. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, we call that a show. Um, as always, if you want to be on the show, if you have any topics you want us to cover, uh, do let us know. Go to biomass.com and just uh, put the contact, the contact tab in there. But that being said, thank you for joining and have a safe week. Bye.